All right, guys, good morning today. We are going to get into uh, some of the uh, action that has transpired this weekend in the world of the NBA. Uh, cover last night's fight between uh, Jorge Masvidal and um, Nate Diaz. Uh, definitely a slugfest uh, in recent memory. Uh, we're going to cover that and go over some NFL action coming up this week. Uh, hopefully provide you guys with some uh, pretty good gambling advice. And uh, we're going to go ahead and get this thing started. Uh, on our first note, um, just wanted to uh, take a moment uh, to say rest in peace to John Witherspoon, a legend in the entertainment community uh, who passed away recently um, this past week. Uh, we all remember him for his iconic roles in uh, Friday, you know, playing uh, Mr. William Jones, uh, playing Craig's father. And obviously we remember him from uh, the Wayans Brothers as Pops and uh, voicing over um, Robert on uh, the Boondocks. Uh, so definitely a hard loss in uh, the world of Hollywood um, as he's definitely had an impact uh, on the community. Uh, definitely everybody has uh, felt this loss, and uh, condolences uh, to the Witherspoon family. Um, his roles were just so iconic, and he brought a sense of humor uh, that simply couldn't be matched, uh, but it felt so natural, and that was truly him. And uh, that was something that will never be forgotten uh, through the roles that he's played, from the catchphrases of uh, bang, 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 or putting hot sauce on my burrito, baby. So I uh, just wanted to take a moment to say rest in peace to uh, John Witherspoon. And um, also something that uh, in entertainment, well, in music that I've been going back and forth on lately is Kanye West's new album, uh, Jesus is King. Um, total playtime for this album was under a half hour. And I had to go back and listen to this album, I would say, at least nine to ten times, uh, front to back and back to front. And my takeaway from the album is that overall, it's not complete garbage. Let's, let's get that out of the way. Um, from my standpoint, you know, the most tracks. The tracks that really uh, hit with me uh, were uh, Water, Every Hour, and then uh, Everything We Need, uh, which featured uh, Ty Dollar Sign. Um, so right now, we're, we're still, you know, being present for the moment of the evolution of Kanye West. Um, it's not you know, the old Kanye, we're not going to have college dropout or graduation Kanye or Italy and heartbreaks Kanye step through the door anytime soon. Um, what I do think with, as he progresses and evolutions as an artist, we're going to start to see him dial into uh, different formats and uh, genres of music. As this obviously came off with more of a gospel vibe. I can see this being a lane where uh, Kanye um, sticks to uh, versus his traditional rap. 
uh, that he was going to, or a, a darker sense of his vibe um, with the music that he was uh, producing. And also, my hats off to, uh, to, to the Sunday Service Choir, uh, a group of great men and women with spectacular voices. Um, honestly, for me, that they were the best part of the album, if I had to say, uh, was that first track of Every Hour. Man, you, you cannot, you can't doubt them at all. Um, they were the best part of the production for me, uh, other than some of the beats. Um, you know, with Kanye, he's at a phase where, and I saw this through some of his recent interviews, that he's he's at the point of his career where he wants to have a larger impact which is more than just the music that he's producing. Um, you know, we we all witness him going through a phase of, you know, working with Yeezy and trying to reduce it to become a global success, which it has become over the past couple of years. And um, music-wise, it felt like, it hasn't really been a priority as far as pro- producing quality music that all of us Kanye fans like. Um, but at the same time, that's the sacrifice of, you know, he's in the business of making money. So um, obviously a lot of us are always happy when we get great Kanye music. Um, but at the same time, it, it feels like it's it's not up to par to what we're used to expecting uh, from Kanye West. And another thing, that I picked up from his recent interviews uh, with Zane Lowe and uh, with uh, Big Boy is that everybody is so enamored with his old uh, catalog of music. And what I've noticed is that he's not totally against performing his old catalog. But one thing that really struck with me is that he's, that he's open to changing the lyrics of the older catalog that he um, will actually have the chance to perform, uh, but he's not going to make any, he's not going to have any apologies about it being off tempo or off beat. It's just, we're going to have to take it for what it is. Um, One of the things that I also watched with him was uh, his airplane karaoke with uh, James Corden. Definitely go ahead and watch that on YouTube. It's a great watch. Um, with the Sunday uh, service uh, choir. I think uh, you guys will really enjoy it. And what I took from that was what we could potentially see is a gospel rendition of Kanye's old catalog featuring uh, the Sunday service choir. I think that could potentially be coming down in the future. Um, So I would definitely keep you know, my eyes peeled for that. And honestly, if that's the case, I don't think anybody uh, should be disappointed with that because that choir is very talented, and I think Kanye West can uh, get them to uh, provide the best renditions of his classics. So I think that would be a great move to go go with uh, if that's the case uh, for Mr. West. 
But overall, the album's not trash. It's not for everybody. I mean, you're gonna there's music that people like and people and music that uh, people do not like. It's just not their 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 wave, unfortunately. But I think if it can, this album connects with you more spiritually and will create a positive vibe. It's not it's not turn up music, if I had to say. Um, it's something that you sit down, you embrace, you enjoy, you, you mellow down, and you connect with it spiritually. Um, and those were three tracks of that that connected with me, was water, every hour, and everything you need. Um, but enough about entertainment. We're going to go straight into um, the reason why you're truly here. You know, we're going to go over sports. Um, this past weekend, we had a lot of great action in the uh, NBA. Uh, we're going to start off with the Boston Celtics and the New York Knicks. Um, they played at TD. It came right down to the wire. Uh, Marcus Morris, his first game back to TD uh, after uh, leaving the Boston Celtics in the offseason and uh, signing with the New York Knicks. Um, definitely an important loss, I would say, just because he brings a demeanor uh, to the team where not a lot of guys on opposing teams would not – they wouldn't try Marcus Morris. He was, he was the guy on the court enforcer-like comparative to a uh, Kendrick Perkins, if I had to say. Uh, but at the same time, he's more uh, skilled offensively. Um, and, he, and I like that he's really picked up uh, the action uh, with taking more threes because we we got a glimpse of it last year where he would take three-pointers, but it wasn't at the volume that you knew that he could take them at. Uh, and it seems that he's improved with uh, his confidence with taking those threes, which I love. And he's still going to be, you know, remaining to be aggressive. And, and I hope that his aggressiveness, you know, flakes off and gets picked up by the younger guys on the New York Knicks who, you know, right now they're, they only have one win on the season. But I think that Marcus Morris is a great piece to help that young, that young talent develop and, get some sort of uh, killer instinct in them, you know, because they're the Knicks, everybody's looking at their schedule and they're thinking, well, you know, the New York Knicks should be an automatic win. But at the same time, they're, once they figure it out defensively, I think they'll be able to muster up a, a respectable record uh, for the roster that they have built there. Um, Jason Tatum hits the game winner. Uh, with four seconds left, uh, right off the inbounds, um, you know, hits him, hits R.J. Barrett with the uh, game-winning shot right in his face uh, for his walk in the NBA moment. And um, Jason Tatum finished the game with uh, 24 points and uh, six rebounds. Uh, also, in this weekend's action, we had a heater uh, for a game down in Dallas, Texas, with the Los Angeles Lakers. And uh, LeBron and Anthony Davis going up against uh, Dallas and the Mavericks against uh, Luka Doncic and Kristaps Porzingis. And, man, did that game deliver. Uh, Both Luka Doncic and LeBron James ended up with triple doubles as the game headed to overtime. 
uh, as LeBron drove uh, through the lane and swung it out to Danny Green to make the uh, the three-pointer to send the game to overtime. Um, Luka Doncic just did his thing. He had 31 points, 13 rebounds, and 15 assists. Um, could it really produce much in overtime as uh, the Lakers just used their experience to uh, muster the W out of that game? Uh, LeBron James played a wonderful game. He's uh, definitely bounced back after uh, the first couple of performances he's had earlier in the season, had 39 points, 12 rebounds, 16 assists. Um, so he's definitely incorporating more of the uh, sharing of the ball uh, in the offense, and he's taking over at times when needed. I think now he's starting to understand uh what times are most needed when he should, you know, um, you know, kind of dish the ball to his teammates and get them more involved, obviously with Anthony Davis there and uh, Danny Green as well. Uh, but the Lakers end up getting the win in overtime down in Dallas. And um, another game that we had take place down in uh, Brooklyn, New York, we had the Brooklyn Nets against the Houston Rockets. Um, which the two top scoring offenses in the league uh, went head-to-head. Um, we had the James Harden and Russell Westbrook show down at the Barclays, and uh, obviously Kyrie Irving on the court for the Nets, and they went at it too. The Nets pull off the win, uh, 123-116. Um, Reason for that game, they lost by seven, which was a stat that I pulled up, was that combined, Harden and Westbrook were three for 22 for three-point land, which that's only 14%. And alone, James Harden was two for 16 from three-point land. Um, You know, so I think that was just the, the biggest factor in the Rockets losing that game, you know, by such a small margin. Um, so I think, obviously, the next time the Rockets and Nets run it back, definitely worth the watch because I definitely see the uh, Rockets taking that matchup easily if Kevin Durant is in back. I know he, Kevin Durant reported that he's not planning on coming back this season, but if the Nets are in position uh, to make the playoffs and they're seated strategically within the Eastern Conference, I would say watch out. Um, so that's just the wrap wrap up the uh, NBA action from uh, this past weekend uh, in the league. And moving on to uh, the mixed martial arts fight, uh, we had the UFC uh, card down in New York City at Madison Square Garden. We had the main event of Jorge Masvidal versus uh, Nate Diaz. And Man, these two dudes, hats off, salute to them. They delivered a fight. Uh, They had a title made up for the baddest motherfucker uh, in the octagon, and the belt was presented uh, by The Rock. Uh, It's really fitting. And these two dudes went at it. Uh, Jorge Masvidal, if you guys aren't, uh, familiar uh, with him, he's a, a very skilled and experienced fighter. 
just like Nate Diaz, um, you know, Jorge Masvidal, based out of uh, Miami, Florida. He takes on that Tony Montana vibe just because when you get in the octagon with him, he's very confident in his hands. And what I mean by that is just based off the action last night in his previous fights is, you know, he can make a moment out of the fight at any given time. Um, last night when he was fighting uh, Nate Diaz, uh, his punches were really connecting. Uh, when he was thrown to the body, his overhead right, uh, his kicks as well, uh, man, he's lightning quick. And uh, just a hats off to the toughness of um, Nate Diaz as well, because Nate Diaz loves to stand in that pocket and exchange with you, especially with that left jab. Um, and he's very good on the ground as well. Um, first round, uh, Masvidal and Nate get right to it, you know, exchanging punches, and uh, Masvidal gets a knockdown as well. And uh, he cuts open uh, Nate Diaz pretty badly. And uh, it progressed uh, through the second and third rounds as well. Um, but Nate stood his ground. He kept pushing towards uh, Masvidal, trying to get into the pocket and make some great exchanges with him. Man, I, I can't say enough about uh, Nate Diaz's left jab, but he he could stun a lot of people with that punch. And just like Jorge Masvidal with his overhand right, it's, uh, it's pretty potent. It can put you to sleep in a heartbeat. Uh, Masvidal ends up winning the fight on a third round uh, TKO due to a doctor's stoppage. Uh, like I said, I'm not sure um, if that fight would have been called in Vegas where the UFC normally hosts his events. But in the state of New York, I understand you want to have it fit up to the billing of, you know, the baddest motherfucker. And you want to bill it to be where's, you know, where should the baddest motherfucker be crowned? Where, how can you go against New York City? But at the same time, uh, the relationship between uh, the UFC and the New York State Athletic Commission hasn't been great, um, you know, to the UFC and mixed martial arts overall. Uh, since they allowed uh, cards to be hosted uh, in the state of New York uh, for quite some time. Nate Diaz tried to call off the doctor from even examining his cut. And if you see it in the fight before they start the fourth round, Nate Diaz waved off the doctor and told him, I'm good, and he just started to square up. And everybody in the garden was roaring. And even Masvidal sitting there, and he's ready to go, and then the doctor called it off. Um, I would say that for this fight, Nate was definitely, uh, he was outstricken by Masvidal, but Masvidal just had it last night. All of his punches, all of his kicks were connecting. Uh, he was able to, take out what uh, Nate was dishing, especially with those combos uh, that he was setting up with the left jab. Uh, he Even Masvidal was holding his own when he was on the ground, too. Uh, and Nate Diaz is incredibly uh, skillful when he's on the ground, when, he's, uh, when he has to wrestle off of his back. And uh, he even Nate looked for a setup uh, for a submission as well. 
uh, in around in the, in the second round, I believe. But uh, yeah, that fight, both fighters uh, after the decision of the doctor uh, calling the fight off, you know, for Nate Diaz's safety due to the severe eye cuts that he had, uh, they both want to run it back, which I love because they both said leave no doubt, and. I don't blame uh, Masvidal or Nate Diaz not taking another fight until they get their rematch. Um, I'm pretty sure their their paydays were pretty uh, hefty uh, for this event. And at the same time, too, in the 170-pound division, they've got their upcoming championship fight for the welterweight title between uh, Kamaru Usman and uh, Colby Covington. Uh, coming up. So once that gets situated, we'll see if maybe Masvidal and Diaz will will be able to get their rematch um, before they situate that. And honestly, even with the loss that Diaz took last night, if if Masvidal and Diaz do run it back and somehow. Uh, they're able to figure out the title situation. I honestly think that Masvidal and Diaz, the rematch, should be uh, that number one contender's fight uh, for the 170-pound uh, title. Uh, if they truly want to, you know, honor their word and really want to run it back to prove who is the baddest motherfucker in the UFC, and honestly, I think that title is going to be the prize fighter title, uh, where you'll see guys you know, jump weight or go down in weight in order to fight the guys who are um, within uh, their weight their weight range, I would say. You know, you, this would be a situation where you got guys from 155 moving up to 170 to fight for the belt or guys at 185 moving down uh, to 170 uh, to fight for this belt and then they can um, fight people amongst their respective divisions. Uh, so I think that may be uh, the framework uh, that can be laid down uh, for this title, uh, just to have it not be a one-off and uh, decrease the true value of what the t- what the title can be. Um, moving into boxing, Canelo Alvarez he jumped two weight divisions uh, to fight uh, Sergey Kovalev uh, in the main event for the uh, zone uh, for you fight fans out there. And um, for a guy, for Canelo, he jumped two weight divisions, uh, but he possesses so much power that he comes off as bigger than than what he is. Um, you know, still the smaller guy to Kovalev, his power is still made up for the rest of it, and it showed. Um you know, he he was able to finish uh, Kovalev with a knockout in uh, the 11th round. And, man, even the blows that he delivered, it was just, you know, breathtaking at the same time. Because now we have a fighter who has titles in four different weight classes. And um, to be honest, if he wants to, he could make it a fifth. If he truly wants to do that, he could tie Manny Pacquiao for the record for having titles in five different weight classes, which Canelo easily has uh, the willpower and talent to do. Um, so I think that's something you can see him maybe consider in the future. 
but I think he'll have some bigger fights coming up uh, in the uh, near future. But just want to go into uh, some NFL action uh, for this weekend. We've got some great matches. Uh, at the time of this recording, uh, the Houston Texans are playing the Jacksonville Jaguars over in London at Wembley Stadium. Uh, definitely a lot of people with, uh, who live in the United States had to go through the uh, daylight savings. So uh, definitely hope you adjusted the clocks as the game kicked off at 9.30 of this morning, uh, East Coast time. Uh, right now, just watching the game, it looks like the Texans are going to take this game at a score of 26-3 with about three minutes left. Uh, I had this game marked uh, at an under, which the over-under was listed at 47. Usually these games uh, in the AFC South uh, tend to run close. Uh, you know, they definitely stay within a range of uh, with the over-under of about, normally I would say 50-53. to 53. I would say. Usually the NFC South is a little bit more explosive than uh, they can turn into shootouts easily. But uh, the Texans are easily going to take that win first game without J.J. Watt as he's out uh, for the rest of the season due to a torn pectoral muscle. Uh, Upcoming additional action for this weekend, we've got Bears versus the Eagles. Um, we got the over-under at about 41.5, which I'm going to take the under for this because I don't know if the Bears can solve their offensive problems. And I think the Eagles played well in the game last week against the Bills on the road that um, they're, they're slowly finding their mojo because once they started the season, it, it just didn't look right. And I think potentially... Uh, if Deshaun Jackson can get on the field, he definitely provides uh, a game-breaker as well uh, for Carson Wentz. Uh, so I think the Eagles will take that game. If I had to score it, I would say uh, Eagles 27. Uh, to the Bears, it would be 13. So we'll take that game. And uh, the next one that we have on our list is um, – We've got Lions versus Raiders. Uh, first home game uh, for a while uh, for the Oakland Raiders at an over-under of 50 and a half, which I'm, I'm going to take the over in this one. I, I see this being a game where it's a – I see this being a 37-31 game. Um, for some reason, I see the Raiders pulling this – this law up pulling this W and uh, you know getting the win. I think that Derek Carr and uh, Darren Waller are gonna have a great connection for the game. You really don't know what to expect with the Lions defense, uh, but for the offense for uh, Detroit, they've been starting uh, really on pace for the first quarter, and then it seems that they're starting to fizzle out. Uh, once it gets to the second, third, and fourth quarters uh, with their point production. Uh, so I see the Raiders uh, winning that game 37-31 uh, to 31 with taking the over, which is listed at 50.5 points. Uh, next matchup, and the only reason why this is an enticing matchup 
is because of all of the drama that's gone on in the area of New York City with the New York Jets facing off against Miami Dolphins. This past week, we had the trade deadline. A lot of teams were calling uh, the New York Jets about Jamal Adams, uh, specifically the Baltimore Ravens and the Dallas Cowboys, which um, the Jets and the Cowboys uh, had a deal going down to the wire, and they just couldn't get the deal done. Uh, It's been noted that Jamal Adams hasn't been really happy with the Jets, even though he says otherwise due to all the losing that they've been doing. And uh, I think that they should have been able to pull that deal off and just take the first rounder uh, for Jamal Adams because now you have to worry about him being a a lingering issue in the locker room. He's still going to perform at a high level, don't get me wrong. Jamal Adams is, you know, top three best player for the Jets, uh, you know, with, you know, him being behind Le'Veon Bell and uh, Sam Darnold, I would say. So I think he, his best position would be to just produce for as long as uh, he's going to be with the Jets until a true trade offer of value presents itself uh, for the Jets uh, to move on uh, from their all-pro safety, uh, in my opinion. And uh, he he was not fond of the answers uh, of the information that was released when uh, he spoke apparently with the general manager and uh, coach head coach Adam Gase. And uh, they had confirmed with him that they're not putting him on the trade block. And uh, it was revealed otherwise that uh, there were discussions for him uh, to be acquired through a trade. So I think that didn't sit well at all with him. Uh, he's Right now he's going through his phase of he doesn't want to talk to Adam Gase. He doesn't want to talk to the general manager, Joe Douglas. Uh, situation-wise for the Jets, they need help for the offensive line. Uh, they're just not performing at all. You know, it's bottom-tier talent uh, amongst the starting five for that offensive line, and, you know, you're going to have to protect your, your quarterback. That's your your long-term investment. And also that's going to be a way to help Sam Darnold develop also uh, because you want to have him be able to be comfortable in a clean pocket and not have to roll out and try to turn something into nothing or nothing into something, if I could say. Um but they're facing a Miami Dolphins team that I think they're tired of people just ragging on them and saying that they're tanking, even though it, it's kind of hard when they're making some strictly dumb play calls uh, when they were playing Monday night against the Steelers. Uh, they started off hot. They were up 14 uh, nothing. You know, they were able to move the ball and get some turnovers off Mason Rudolph early and, uh, you saw them on a third and 22, I believe. They set an entire blitz. They set, I believe, all eight people in the box uh, with no coverage over the middle, and it led to a touchdown, uh, which I believe it shortened the gap. Uh, their point deficit by about 
a possession at that point. So I think this is obviously a trap game for the Jets where I don't think it's going to make anybody happy if they lose to the Dolphins and give them their first win of the season. Um, Over-under on this game is 42.5, which I'm going to take the under as well. Um, I just think the Jets, I think the Jets get the W here, and um, I think they move on uh, with the W, and the Dolphins just simply uh, remain winless for the season. And um, I don't think the Dolphins head coach is going to get fired after his first year either. Uh, The team is definitely performing. It's just at the same time, they don't have an offensive presence, and it starts at quarterback. I mean, you can only do so much with Ryan Fitzpatrick or Josh, Josh Rosen. And uh, now they don't even have uh, Kenny Drake anymore, which he looked really uh, good in his uh, first start with the Arizona Cardinals uh, as they played the San Francisco 49ers back on Thursday night. And uh, the 49ers narrowly escaped uh, 28-25 uh, to move on to 8-0 and as they remain undefeated along with the New England Patriots. Uh, another matchup that I want to cover is Steelers-Colts with an over-under of 40-and-a-half. And I'm going to take the over in that matchup. I think uh, Juju Smith-Schuster gets going in that game. Uh, T.Y. Hilton is out uh, with an injury. Uh, so I think the tight ends will uh, pick up some additional uh, action and uh, targets. Uh, from Jacoby Brissett, and uh, definitely an uptick of carries uh, for Marlon Mack. Uh, my prediction for this game, uh, the Colts get the win. Uh, I'm going to give it a score of 27-20, to 20, I would say, for that. So I definitely give the Colts uh, the win there. And for the two biggest matchups, of the weekend we've got in prime time, we've got for the Sunday night game, we've got the New England Patriots on their road to face Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens uh, with an over-under of 44-and-a-half, which I'm going to take the under on that, uh, especially with the way the Patriots' defense has been playing. Uh, at an all-time level, no matter where you pinpoint, they've got, guys on their defense who just simply play their roles, which is great. Uh, Starting in the trenches, going to the uh, linebackers group up to the secondary. They just play very remarkable defense. Um, I do believe that the Ravens are going to give them problems uh, with their offense. Uh, Lamar Jackson is just too much of a playmaker uh, to be bottled up. And I think uh, they'll they'll be able to figure it out with the passing game and, you know, be able to get some balls over to uh, Mark Andrews and, uh, you know, maybe Marquise Brown will play as well and uh, definitely get Mark Ingram involved there uh, to run the rock. Uh, my prediction for that game, I'm going to take the Ravens. And I'm going to take the Ravens with a margin of, I only think they'll win by a field goal. Uh, 
I think this is going to be a nail-biter towards the end. I don't think it's going to be a blowout, but it's going to be a very tough game from start to finish. Um, and then we're going to end the week's action with uh, the Dallas Cowboys against the New York Giants with an over-under of 48, which I'm going to take the over on uh, with the Dallas taking the win over the Giants. Uh, it looks like here that uh, Sterling Shepard, he initially was uh, previously thought that he was going to play um, in Monday night's game. Uh, he's had some issues uh, with that concussion, and uh, he's now out for the game. So if you're looking for a receiver to play uh, with the New York Giants, definitely look towards a Golden Tate or uh, Darius Slayton as well. He's had some great connections with uh, Daniel Jones over the past few weeks. And then uh, Saquon Barkley, obviously, you can't go wrong with him. But I think uh, this Dallas defense uh, contains them, and uh, they get the victory to predict the score. I mean, to say Dallas 31 and the Giants 20. I definitely think uh, this game will start off uh, fairly close, but I think uh, they'll, uh, Dallas will easily take the lead and uh, run away. Uh, with the game and uh, take a win and uh, wrap up the week of action. So definitely thank you guys for uh, tuning in and listening to me. Uh, oh, yeah, didn't even cover the uh, most important thing uh, for today. Uh, came up with a title for the podcast. It's going to be rolling up with Brandon Redbird. So uh, easily the motive for this is, you know, just to have all the listeners, you know, roll up with me, take a ride, sit down, and enjoy the show, um, and just take a moment, take a breath, come along for the short journey, you know, take in the news of the week, and, uh, you know, get some thoughts off, listen to some sports and entertainment, and talk about uh, some culture activity as well, so just take it all in. Uh, it's been great, and uh, we'll talk to you next week.